This is Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind with me, psychologist Professor Richard Wiseman. And me, science journalist Marnie Chesterton. This is the podcast where we delve into the psychology of everyday life and answer your questions about human behaviour. Expect fascinating facts, scintillating science, and this might even improve your life. In this episode, we're talking about psychic ability. How do scientists investigate extrasensory perception? And why can psychic readings seem so accurate? Is it really all a scam? And if so, what are the tricks of the trade? Can you give me enough tricks to retrain as a second career? I think everyone has got that latent potential inside them. Let's get on with the show. Richard, have you ever had a psychic reading? I mean, not a bad one, like a, a good one where you thought, how are they doing this? Um, I've had lots of psychic readings, quite a few, and I enjoy them. I mean, not so much. From, I've never had one where I've gone, oh, my goodness, how did you know that? Mm. But what I find useful about them is they get you to, a good one, gets you to reflect on where you are in life. And I think we'll probably talk about this later on, that this notion of the utility of them, what they do for people versus are they true? Because those are two completely separate issues. This is your open-mindedness coming in here. I'm I'm very open-minded. I've spent my life looking at paranormal things. So what what I thought we'd start with is talking about actually what I've spent quite a lot of time doing, which is how scientists study this stuff. Can I ask what what draws you as a scientist to this stuff? Uh, A couple of things. Mainly, I find it interesting. When you go to parties and mention it's what you do, other people find it interesting. Okay, so this is all about having good anecdotes at parties. Yeah, and also it's about getting up in the morning and thinking, this is astonishing. I get to go to the lab and run an experiment to see whether people can look into the future. Okay. Isn't that an amazing thing? And and also, if I didn't do it and the handful of colleagues that, that do it around the world, there's only probably, I don't know, 20 or 30 people. If we didn't do it, no one would be doing it. Fair and, and I Fair think there, there are serious learnings from it. I, I think that the world has benefited in really interesting ways. My old PhD supervisor, uh, Bob Morris, who's, up, who's a cursor professor of uh, parapsychology, you know, always used to say, if it turns out this stuff is true, we're going to change the way we look at the world. If it turns out it isn't true, we're going to understand more about why we think it is. And either way, it's a, it's a win. So how do you test this subject in a scientific way? That's a very good question. And there's a long history of psychologists trying to do this, or parapsychologists as, as, as we're known. It kind of kicks off in the 30s with J.B. Ryan, who is a, a scientist over in America. And he goes to a, a talk by Arthur Conan Doyle. And Doyle is a big spiritualist and says, oh, my goodness, this stuff is amazing. And I think it's all true. And I think there's an afterlife and so on. But so, uh, the, sorry, yeah. Conan Doyle, the inventor of the rationalist detective. Well, I've got a theory about that. You see, the thing about Sherlock Holmes is that that, in a sense, is kind of nonsense. I mean, no one can look at somebody and tell all these things about them. So I don't think it is massively rational. I think it's kind of a fantasy. So Arthur Conan Doyle, big believer in particularly uh, spiritualism, J.B. Ryan goes along, he goes, this is all fine, but it's not very scientific. I'm going to bring some science into this. And so uh, he approaches a colleague of his and says, I want some cards. And I'm, I'm actually holding, this is a, a genuine pack of J.P. Ryan playing cards in the 1930s, used for testing ESP or extrasensory perception, uh, which includes um, precognition, looking into the future, telepathy, mind-to-mind contact, and what's called clairvoyance, which is seeing, for example, the shapes on the cards. I love that you own stuff like this. This is so good. And so it's five symbols. Uh, there's some wavy lines, there's a cross, there's a star. 
there's a circle and there is a square. And they're repeated five times in the, the decks. There's 25 cards in here. And what you do is go through the deck and ask people to try and correctly guess the symbols. What's lovely about this is that to come up with these symbols, J.B. Ryan went to one of his colleagues, perceptual psychologist uh, Carl Zenner, and said, can you come up with five symbols that won't have too much emotional baggage associated with them? Zenner said, absolutely, came up with these that become hugely famous. They're in Ghostbusters and lots of other things. And Zenner says, the one thing I will ask is that my name is not attached to any of this research. This deck is now normally referred to as a Zenner deck. deck. (laughs) (laughs) So so I love that. So um, if we were doing a J.B. Ryan 1930s ESP study, we would ask you to guess what this card is. It's going to be one of these five. Square. Square. Next one. Uh, a plus sign. Plus sign. Wavy lines. Wavy lines. Square again. Square. Uh, star. Star. Circle. Uh, circle. Uh, star. Star. Wavy lines. Wavy lines. Wavy lines. Wavy lines. Uh, plus. One, uh, plus. Hold on a second. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, two more. Uh, circle. Circle. And then let's go square. Square. Right. Okay. Uh, So those are your clairvoyant predictions because you weren't looking at the face of the cards. If I were looking at them and trying to send them to you, that would be telepathy. Oh, okay. And if you guessed and then we dealt them out, that would be precognition. Can we? This is is great. Uh, (gasps) There are on the circle, no matches uh, at all. Oh. On the wavy lines, no matches at all. (laughs) On the cross, no matches at all. On the square one. Yes. And on the star, none at all. So what I'm reading from that is I have some psychic abilities. That's I got what you're one, reading from I, it. I got one right. Statistically, uh, it's actually slightly below chance. <laughs> so we would, we would often refer to as psi missing. Uh, psi is the, the generic term for uh, these sorts of abilities. And you've done so badly. <laughs> it's and statistically statistically significant. Significant. <laughs> It's certainly indicative uh, okay. that, you have, um, that you should not only not trust your intuition, you should do the opposite to uh, whatever your intuition is telling you to, uh, to do. Uh, uh, so, so they do all of uh, of that. I have to say, there is a, a kind of theme running through the episodes, isn't it? Whenever we do a demonstration, you manage to go actually opposite to the, the theory. It's, it's incredible. Uh, so J.B. Ryan does it. And, and he does like thousands and thousands of these card guesses. And he thinks there's something to it that people are scoring above chance. Yeah. Skeptics are pretty sceptical, as they, they tend to be. But then... Uh, either way, as we found out there, it's actually quite a dull thing to do. I mean, imagine spending an entire afternoon going through thousands of those guesses. So it kind of fades out and, and no one's doing that anymore. And so by the time I joined the, the field, everyone was doing what's called free response. So free response is inside here, this envelope I'm holding up, there is a photograph. Yeah. And you have to channel your inner psychic and just come up with some thoughts about so some imagery about what that photograph, colours or shapes or anything. What, what are you seeing in your mind's eye? Um, I'm seeing a tree and a bit of tarmac in front of it and maybe some sort of vehicle. Okay, you're getting any particular colour. Pink. Pink. Okay. Well, we now the, open this. Have <laughs> Why a didn't I pick a common car colour? Mm. I don't think I've ever seen a... Oh. And now, now we're looking at... I mean, it's uncanny. <laughs> it, it is uncanny. We're looking at uh, a picture of the, the sea, I guess. I think that's New York. I'm not certain. Oh, yeah. So you're seeing tarmac and got pink. There's no pink in that picture at all. Yeah. And it's 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 not at all tarmac-y. No, it's, it's the sea yeah. with boats in. 
So that would, that would count as a miss. Because I thought that might happen, I've got a second chance here. So I'm holding a second envelope. What's coming to your head? Um, an animal. Oh, what sort of animal? Um, a dog. Now that's quite remarkable. Because inside here, it's a camel. Which looks a little bit like it, a dog. It does look a bit like a dog, actually. Oh, okay. It's, it's why I refer to as a, a doggy camel yeah. um, uh, or, or a camely dog. I mean, it depends where you're on that debate. So is, has the, I feel like I've I've kind of restored my subpar psychic abilities well, to you, you totally random. Uh, so, <laughs> so if you're a creative type, you might go, well, you've got an animal and, yeah. and that's, a, that's a hit. If you're a sceptic, you might go, yeah, but you said dog, it's a camel. Uh, so the way this is normally done is that you come up with all these thoughts, you have four different pictures, you have to guess the one that you think is in the envelope, and that gives you 25% by chance. You do it lots of times, you see whether you're above chance. And that's the second lot of parapsychology. And again, I'm quite sceptical about those results, but some people think there's something to it. But the really, really great thing is a colleague of mine, Daryl Bem, publishes this paper only a few years ago saying, I think there's something to all this stuff. And he does a few experiments. And he's a very well-known psychologist, mainstream psychologist. Mm-hmm. And I know Daryl uh, very well, very nice man. And he publishes this paper, big journal, uh, nine experiments, going, I think there's something to it. And in doing so, he changes the history of psychology. What do you mean? Well, it's, it's great. It's a great story. He publishes this stuff. Skeptics will jump on him, as they often do, going, hold on a second, there's all these problems. You didn't, for example, say which statistical tests you're going to use in advance, so maybe you looked at your data and then decided what to do and and so on. Uh, What are called questionable research practices. And that debate goes on. Then a few other psychologists go, well, it's all right having a go at the parapsychologists. We all do that. Oh. That's, That's kind of part and parcel of psychology. And then other people go, oh, there's something fundamentally flawed with exactly. the way psychology research exactly. is done. Oh, no. So after that, everyone goes, well, it would be better if you wrote out your research plan before you did your study so you couldn't do lots of analyses and, and cherry pick and so on. That's called a registered report, which is now how psychologists, for the most part, do their studies. That flows directly from Daryl's paper, which flows directly from all the research I'm talking about. So it turns out the parapsychologists did change the history of psychology, just not in a way they anticipated. Wow. And, 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 so, and that's changed the whole field rather than just parapsychology? It's, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so now, in fact, I've done it many times in the episodes, I've kind of gone, oh, this study, is, there's issues about replication of this yeah. study. And that's because people are now looking at these studies and going, oh, I'm not quite so certain about this effect anymore. And in another episode, we'll talk about uh, you know, some of these classic huge studies run by you know, Zimbardo and Milgram and so on, which people are calling into question now. So it, it turns out that this stuff, which is very fringy, actually has had an impact, which is a long, long way of answering your question right at the top. I can't even remember what I asked anymore. Why do I do it? <laughs> OK, fair enough. Also, you get to say the word doggy camel or cami doggle. You're listening to Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind. And in this episode, we're talking about psychics and psychic readings. You said that you do this uh, partly because it's nice to have people ask you interesting questions at parties. I always ask the question, what impact did that have on you? So to move the debate away from, was, you know, could the psychic have known this information? Well, you can't really engage with that because you weren't there and maybe the story's not accurate, who knows, or maybe it's true. But the interesting thing for me is, so what, what did you do with that? Yeah. 
and and that gets back to why I enjoy psychic readings because you get time to reflect on your life a bit. So actually, I quite enjoy those experiences. Um, what you well, don't want to do is get dragged into an argument about whether they're, yeah. they're true or not. Okay. Well, I'm glad you enjoy those experiences because we've got a question from Anna Richardson, who is the host not only of a podcast from Podomo, It Can't Just Be Me, but also from probably the most well-known, well-watched show that people pretend they don't watch, Naked Attraction. So she's got a question about an experience with a psychic that she once had. Hi Richard and Marnie, it's Anna Richardson here from the podcast It Can't Just Be Me. In every episode, I set out to answer listeners' personal dilemmas. So it's a lovely treat for me to get to ask you guys a question. Okay, so... As a journalist, I have worked on various shows about the paranormal and as a result, I've worked with and met a lot of psychics. Now, I totally understand the tricks of the trade used in psychic readings. I understand cold readings. But in my experience as a broadcaster, I have met one or two psychics where I cannot explain how they got the information they got about me. One person in particular, and this is pre-internet, I went to their house. As she opened the door, she looked at me and said, I have your granddad, Harold, here, who wants to speak to you. That blew my mind. So is it possible that there is such a thing as extrasensory perception? (gasps) It's a good question. And I think it it really sharpens up what we're talking about here. So my answer would be, actually, yes, of course it's possible. It's possible that some of these people have these incredible abilities. But we also know that there's what's called hot reading. So we're going to talk about the tricks of the trade in a moment. That's what's called cold reading. As in the client walks in cold, you don't know anything about them. It's your job to try and convince them that you do. There's also hot reading, which is where you just find out the information Okay, you Okay, you do your research. You do your research. I mean, uh, research. That, to my sceptics' ear, that sounds more like a hot reading because that's quite bold to go in with a name. Yeah, but of course, if uh, she'd have said, well, actually, no, then she would be telling that story and it would just be, oh, well, they, they got that bit wrong. So it, it's it's an interesting gambit. And, and if it works out, you've got a, a wonderful story. Oh, but there again, maybe that was the moment of connection and there's something psychic going on. We investigated psychic detectives once. These people that helped the police uh, with their crimes. And we had three psychic detectives, three students who didn't claim to be psychic and three objects involved in quite grisly murders. And detectives and students handled these objects and tried to figure out what the crime was, and they had people mark the accuracy of it. And the students were more accurate than the psychic detectives. This is like your financial astrologers. Yes. Where the rank amateurs, you should listen to that that episode, it's fantastic, Um, rank amateurs or some five-year-old is better at picking stocks. That's right. So let's talk about the tricks um, of the, yeah, the trade. Yeah, tricks of the trade. So here's the thing. So I'm going to give you a psychic Train now. me up as well, an alternative career. I think with your kind of intuition we saw earlier on, <laughs> you could... You I should could... just ignore whatever my gut says yes, and that's, that's right. probably going to be the right answer. That's right. Okay. Yes. Uh, so here we go. See what you think to this. You have a need for other people to like and admire you and you tend to be critical of yourself. You have considerable unused capacity that you've not turned to your advantage. At times you're serious, other times a little bit more lighthearted, and you have doubts as to whether you've made the right decision or done the right thing. And that's from a very, very famous study from the 1940s. Does that, to some extent, describe you? That totally describes me. There we go. Uh, so this, this is Bertram. Uncanny. Uncanny. <laughs> 
Um, this is Bertram Forer, uh, who does this amazing study for two reasons. The first is that he's trying to figure out why people are impressed by psychics and astrological readings as well. So he goes out and he comes up with these statements, mainly from a book of astrological readings. So first of all, he has his students do a personality test. He collects those in and he gives them all the same reading. And the sentences I just came up with are from that reading. Right. He says to them, zero to ten, how accurate is that? And they, all of them give about seven or eight. That's what's wonderful about That's this. Uh, and then now, and it's now known as a kind of Barnum effect after P.T. Barnum. And some people think that's because Barnum said there's a sucker born every minute, but it's not. The reason he called the Barnum effect is that Barnum also said there's something here for everyone. And that's why this is called the Barnum effect, because everyone reads into this what they want to, to believe. Is Barnum the circus guy? Yeah, yeah. He went around fleecing people and exhibiting mermaids. Ah. Or more than mermaids, actually. A whole museum of oddities. And, and running big circuses as okay. well. Yeah, okay. very busy. There's something for everyone. Yes. Okay, that makes perfect sense. So let's have a look at this. Well, part of it is flattery. That we, we all enjoy that. And often it's things like you've got, in fact, one of the statements I would there. have thought that someone as intelligent as you was immune to flattery. Exactly. Thank you. And, and you'd be right. <laughs> uh, so you've got a lot of unused capacity. People like that. A, yeah. a lot of untapped creative potential. Everyone go, oh, yes, that's, that's me. Can you imagine being told that you have fulfilled your potential? Yeah, and you should just go home now. Yeah. Yeah. This is you good have risen to your level of incompetence, actually. So just <laughs> see if you can style it out until retirement and death. And it's, and it's like this other research, which I love, which is about unrealistic optimism, that you ask people, do you have an above average sense of humour? It's 94% of the population think they've got an above average sense of humour. That's why you should never say, want good sense of humour in a dating yes, thing. Yes, ends up with 94% of the population. Yeah. The vast majority of people think they're a safe driver, above average driver in terms of safety. And you can even go to hospitals where people are in there because they caused a car crash. And the vast majority of those think they're an above average driver in terms of safety. <laughs> so we like to be flattered. There's also double-headed statements in there. Sometimes you like to sit at home with a book. Other times you like going to the party. Yep. And that's because all our lives are messy and complicated and we just focus on the bit that's yep. true of us. Yep. So okay. those are, are double headers. Then there's some other lovely stuff. And this was by uh, Sue Blackmore, who's a good friend. And Sue's I've, I've come across her as, as someone who spent decades studying if there's life after death. Yes, that's right. She did near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences. And the reason I got into the field is because of Sue. Okay. So I was always interested in paranormal stuff, but I was always quite sceptical. And then one day, I probably was probably 18 or 19 years old, I put on the TV and it was Open University and Sue was on there talking about why people believe and have these odd experiences. And I thought, well, that sounds very interesting. And that's the reason I actually shifted into oh, the, the field. Okay. So Sue's we've, got, we've got Sue to blame. I have. And so what Sue did was to look at what's called population stereotypes, things that you think wouldn't be true of everyone, but turns out to be true of a lot of people. So about a third of men have got a scar on their left kneecap. Really? So you say that in a psychic reading, and you go, my goodness, how did you know that? Uh, just quite nice. Uh, one in ten have spent the previous night dreaming about someone they haven't met for years. Mm, which okay. is lovely. Uh, so all these things are quite, you can drop those into a, yeah. uh, a reading as well. And the other thing is that when you have a conversation with somebody, the way it works is you're trying to figure out what they mean. You assume they've got something in their heads and they're trying to communicate it with you. So you do a lot of the work. A psychic hasn't got that a lot of the time in their heads. They're just throwing out statements. So if it's, it's about to be some kind of 
change in your life? Yes, yes. It's actually, you know, it's my birthday, so I'm going to be a year older. Exactly. Happy birthday, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. Um, If you're thinking about changing career or just change career or change, all these things that you go, oh, yeah, it's a big big change. Often they'll talk in metaphors. They'll go, "I, I can see a ship coming in. There's a big ship coming in. So if you're about to go on a cruise, that makes sense. Otherwise, that big ship becomes, no, 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 it's a big change yeah, in your life. Yeah, okay, okay. So this whole thing is, is, is quite squishy and flexible, and we're bringing in the, the meaning to it. And my favourite thing of all is they've got what actually magicians call outs, which is when it doesn't work, they blame you. <laughs> so if you go, no, this makes no sense at all. I don't have a scar on my knee. They'll say, somebody in your family does. Oh, go and okay. ask around. Go okay. and ask around. Okay. That'll make sense to somebody. Okay. Or it may not, if, if it's like a ship coming in and you go, no, 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 my life is very stable. You go, is at the moment. But give that a couple of months and that'll make sense. <gasps> so in other words, there's outs all over the place. Okay, that's brilliant because then you leave and you wait for any kind of change, which inevitably will happen at some point. That's right. And then you're like, oh, that was the ship. And it's all so smooth. It's all so smooth because they're doing it timely. Now, I, I've got to say, I don't think they're doing this consciously. Most people who do this are not frauds in any sense at all. Mm. They sit down in front of people, they chat, they trust their intuition, they use some of these strategies, people tell them they're wonderful, and they end up thinking there's something to this. Do you think that's the motivation behind psychic detectives? Because it's it, it's one thing to charge people for readings and, and trying to earn a living that way if you know that you're scamming people, yeah. and I'm, I'm not saying that they necessarily do, but if you're actually trying to interfere with an investigation, yeah, I you've got to believe that you're doing some good. You've, I think the vast majority, I, I've, I've known a lot of psychics and, and mediums, and I there are one or two that are frauds. Uh, often they're not the best ones, actually. Um, the, the, the vast majority, totally sincere in their beliefs. And it's got to be said that with a psychic, you pay a relatively small amount of money and you get attention to talk about your life and your issues for 20, 30 minutes. Probably not a bad thing for most people. And okay. so there's quite a lot of evidence that, that people do find it very helpful just to have time to, to reflect. This is why I'm not quite so down on, yeah. on these things. Um, now, the ones that do fake it, are very interesting because they're a lot more rational. And so they often go, look, you know what? People only turn up to talk about one of six things. It's either travel, health, uh, sex, career, uh, ambitions or money. And you just work your way through those mm. and you'll get hit at some point. So we all are a bit more predictable than, uh, than we might realise. You've mentioned that you can throw out broad statements but and your client well, will pick up the slack. Yeah, remember because the two of you are there to try and move forward and to make this a meaningful engagement. So sceptics don't go to psychics. The people who go are those that believe. So you wouldn't go to your doctor and go, all right, you're the expert, tell me what's wrong with me. You go there and the two of you try to figure out what the problem is. So a psychic might start with a very general statement and then you nod at certain points or go, actually, this is what I'm here to talk about. And the two of you start to then sharpen it up down the thing. So the the interaction is is not one of, come on, impress me. It's Mm. I've got an issue, I want to talk about it. And, and you're doing a lot of the work for the psyche. So what kind of cues do you give off? Well, people talk about cues. You know, lots of people try and fool the psychics by if they're wearing a wedding ring, they'll take it off prior thing. But then you'll see where the ring was, there'll be a slight discolouring of the skin. So the, often the psychic will go, oh, have you taken off the, the wedding ring? And that looks amazing. Mm. Um, and, and so there's, you know, if people play the guitar, then their nails are going to be certain lengths on one hand. Uh, if they smoke, you can tell that sometimes from the skin. Sometimes you know about We're back eyes to Sherlock so Holmes, oh, aren't we? All of that stuff. Yeah. But I don't think psychics use that stuff very much. It's the sorts of things sceptics 
talk about because it sounds quite fun. I think most psychics just trust the intuition, just talk, and you've got somebody who wants to believe this. So let's summarise. What I've learned from this is that there's actually quite a lot going on with a psychic reading beyond whether it's actually true or not. Oh, absolutely. So I think we've learned that parapsychology changed psychology. I think we've learned that the psychology of the psychic reading is absolutely fascinating. And there's all sorts of signals you're giving out without realising it. There's all sorts of work that you're doing to make it a meaningful encounter. We've also discussed the fact that people are going along because they've got an issue in their lives they want to talk about. So it, it doesn't really matter whether or not the person opposite you is psychic. The important thing is, are they helpful? And one in three men has a scar on their left knee. And I'm one of them. Are you? Yeah. It was a terrible rugby accident. I can't tell if you're lying now. I've never played rugby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> From Podomo and Telltale, this has been Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind. Hosted by Professor Richard Wiseman and Marnie Chesterton. Our producer is Kate White. The executive producers for Podomo are Jake Chudno and Matt White. And for Telltale are Rami Sabar and Jago Lee. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at WisemanPod. Where we'll be regularly asking you for questions for future episodes. You can also email us at WisemanPod at Podomo.com. And if you like this podcast, tell your friends, leave us a review. If you don't like it, tell your friends you did. Why should you be the only ones to suffer? Although it does help others find us. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>